Could you actually imagine how much it must cost to have a proper 90s pop band perform at your waterfall stage wedding? That's money we could only dream about on that song from that movie. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Yeah, but we don't talk about that version. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey for the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your, on ITV2, more often than Love Island, host Dietrich. And, as always, joining me on this episode is the It, which is coming out of her like lava, Alex. (laughs) And I'll be coming out of your ears like lava. No, that doesn't work. Move on. (laughs) And we're also joined by the man who's slightly overcommitted on the whole dog thing. Turns out he's probably more comfortable with, like, six. Ben. I don't have many dogs. If it was up to my wife, we would have many dogs. We have two dogs. And I am fighting daily (laughs) to keep it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Hey, should I just start things off by saying uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power? Have we watched it? Oh, yeah. Yep. I've not watched it yet, no. Wait, how many episodes? I've watched two episodes, I don't know how many are out. Three episodes are out. Okay. What are your thoughts on the first two without spoilers, obviously? It feels very cinematic. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's going. (laughs) It feels like it's going nowhere. I liked liked the opening. I feel like I'm going to enjoy the show. And then after the second episode, I'm like, "Uh, am I? So that's where I'm at. Yeah. I feel like I'm the same. I saw a tweet that perfectly summed it up for me, which is, I'm watching Lord of the Rings. I'm I'm enjoying everything about it, but I couldn't tell you a single thing that's happening or what's enjoyable about it. Yeah. Other than the fact it looks incredible. It does look good. It's very much like how you describe my experience of watching the film, so really, don't really know much of what's going on. Enjoying it nonetheless. <laughs> and it looks incredible. It looks incredible. It does. Even yep. still. Yep. It's pretty impressive, isn't it, for a film franchise that's 20 years old? But Stashy yeah. Troops is 30 years old, and that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> what have you guys watched, then? Topically, I watched the film The Queen. <laughs> <laughs> no, i never seen it. I didn't really know anything about it, but it sort of just covers that period, or that week after Diana died. And it's interesting. Uh, the depiction of Tony Blair is, is probably the most interesting thing about it, because it's kind of <laughs> Who like, plays Tony Blair? It's Michael Sheen, and okay. it's kind of like... The casting in the film is actually really good. You see him as Tony Blair, you're like, yeah, I can see it. It's it's just an interesting portrait. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, and I don't want to bring spark the whole monarchy versus Republican debate. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just an interesting take on the whole on the whole situation. Is there a reason, like, has some sort of agreement been released that allows everyone to just make a thousand Diana films? Because I feel like there's just non-stop Diana films at the moment. It was the twenty. 20- Fifth anniversary, though, wasn't it this year? Was it? Yes, I think so. I think. Have you seen The King? I've seen The King's Speech. With Timothy Charlie Marlon, my memory. No, I've not seen that. Well, <laughs> I mean, mainly all I've been doing is watching, is following the uh, Don't Worry Darling drama because, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. who's spitting on who next? <laughs> Chris Pine is a saint. Over this opportunity. Have you seen the clip? <laughs> I can't get over it. It's like terrible. Utterly terrible acting. I do enjoy the thing where it's like Chris Pine is like a Harvard educated uh, doctorate. So it was something like that. And it was he, al- like... he also went to Leeds University. Did you know that? Oh, did he? I didn't he know did. that. He did. He did do a year in Le- at Leeds Uni. 
Well, the thing I enjoyed was here he is having to sit there and all he's hearing is Harry Styles saying things like, my favourite part of the movie is that it feels like a movie. <laughs> it really feels like a movie. In, yeah, you know, yeah. One of them films. <laughs> Followed the by cinema. seals clapping. Is <laughs> <laughs> You watched all, Ben? I've been catching with all the Marvel films that I have not seen and then being whelmed and realising I don't know why I'm watching these now. As I relayed to you yesterday or this week. Yes. Yes, you did. Secret message outside. We know Alex involved. Yeah. We know how much he hates Marvel. <laughs> Everything related to him. Captain Marvel. The word Marvel. Marvelous Medicine. Whatever his name is. <laughs> George. <laughs> George is Marvelous medicine. medicine. Yeah, hates George. Yep. Okay, so this episode we are celebrating the upcoming nuptials of Lillian by heading on a bachelorette party with Wilson Phillips's Hold On from the movie Bridesmaids. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. I'm taking you back to May 2011. And this week I actually remember to say when it is. <laughs> so a mysterious blogger going by the name of Teacher Wang causes mass panic in Taiwan after declaring a magnitude 14 earthquake was going to hit the island on May 11th. So this wasn't long after the uh, tsunami in yep. Japan, so the tension was quite high in the area. The blogger explained the island would be separated in two and at least millions would die, which I thought was an odd <laughs> phrasing. At least, at least millions. <laughs> uh, but don't worry though, the blogger has a plan on how you can survive. Go. Mm -hmm. Everyone should go and buy a recently converted shipping container, which should be able to survive anything that happens on the island. And was he conveniently selling these? <laughs> how did you guess, Alex? It's actually where it A police was. investigation found that he'd been conspiring with a shipping container company to sell off old shipping containers. Brilliant. I think the thing I've learned from this is that in 2011, bloggers were still relevant. <laughs> bloggers, yeah. What is it? Was it? What was the? Is it Perez Hilton? Was that guy? I always remember him. Yeah. Apparently, he was famous for something. Yeah. Being mean. Was that? It? I thought it was just a similar name. In other news, it's all change on the X Factor. Simon Cowell announces that him and Shoa Cole are leaving to launch the US version of the show, whilst Danny Minogue would also leave to become the host of Australia's Got Talent leaving little old Louis Walsh all by himself to make racist comparisons of black singers. <laughs> and, and, and many more things. Fear not, though, Alex. Uh, oh, the okay. almost dream team of the absolutely fantastic Gary Barlow, <laughs> Kelly Rowland, and Talisa Contestavlos yeah. was recruited to fill the void. So not quite the glory days of the X Factor when Nicole Scherzinger joined, but we're almost there. It was an amazing performance. Performance. <laughs> performance. Do you remember who won that year? Um, ooh. Matt Cardle. So was this before Nicole Scherzinger, did you say? Y yeah, the year before. And it wasn't Matt Cardle, no. Oh, so I was going to say Matt Cardle, but I think it, Matt Cardle was the one after, wasn't it? Who would it have been? Uh, Alexandra Burke. It was Little Mix. Was she Little Mix. Yeah, Matt Cardle was the year before. Oh, oh Remix, as they were known. Rhythmics. Rhythmics, damn it. <laughs> Rhythmics. <laughs> and finally, last piece of news The world of wrestling, oh, it's God in mourning it. Due to the untimely death of the macho man The one and only Randy Savage The article I found ab about his death said And I quote Randy Savage is best known for his role as professional wrestler in Spider-Man I was going to say, that's what I was going <laughs> to He started with a film we've covered already <laughs> Have Best you ever, known. Have, have you watched that inhaling Randy Savage cut on YouTube? It actually <laughs> makes me sick. 
in memory then do you want to give us, alex do you want to give us your best macho man impression yeah <laughs> wasn't it wasn't his catchphrase just oh yeah <laughs> that was pretty good Bonesaw is ready. I posted it on our uh, WhatsApp group. You need to watch it at some point. You don't watch it all. You literally need to listen to... I, I say you don't need to watch it all. It's 14 seconds long. There's an interview with Randy, <laughs> with Randy Savage where they've cut it just so it's the inhales of breath. Is that, the advert? Is that an advert? That's an advert before. <laughs> just <on>. listen to it. <laughs> oh, God. Move on, move on. <laughs> it's enough to get me to the boiling point. <laughs> it's the face after the end as well is amazing. It's the wonder he was unwell. No, oh. enough to get me to the boiling point. Uh, and also in the month of May 2011 was the release of the hit comedy movie Bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to follow that. <laughs> Bridesmaids was directed by Paul Feig and was written by Annie Mumala and Kristen Wiig. Guys, a lot of confusing surnames <laughs> here, lots of I's and O's. So Kristen Wiig is also leading the movie. So like all good comedy movies, the premise is very simple. Annie is a down-on-a-look single woman who is tasked by her best friend to be her maid of honour. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> so now before I get into the nitty-gritty fully, I want to hear what you think about the movie. So fire away. I really like this film. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I just think it's very good. I think what I really like about it is kind of like it's got all the best parts about comedy films. Like it's got great set piece scenes, like the part on the plane, which is just hilarious. Kind of like gross out comedy moments. But then it has like real truth about adulthood and, and the difficulties of navigating adult life and competition with peers and how it's very easy to kind of get in your own way with things and how things can become more awkward between long-standing friendships and stuff. I just think it like it's got all the best things about comedy, but it also has this kind of depth to it underneath as well that, that kind of really speaks to a universal truth, I guess. So I just think it's got everything. I just think it's really good. And it's got John Hamm in it, which is great as well. Uncredited. He brilliant. He is, is he uncredited? Wow. He's uncredited. What, what yeah. a great moment. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I do uh, really enjoy this film. I also hate that scene, uh, that particular obvious grotesque scene. Yes. Uh, I don't know why, it just, yeah. But I, I don't like that it might stand out because of that, because I think a lot of people do remember it for that one particular scene. Um, I think, like Alex said, I think a lot of it is the almost comedic setups uh, and the gags are built on a very good bed of narrative and character development and strong relationships that are believable and that's what works and I think that's why I don't think it actually does a lot different from like a lot of other films that are probably worse I think it just earns the setup it doesn't feel like the gags are like that it is kind of gone around yeah. the table and like oh this would be funny oh this would be funny there's a there's a narrative there's a through line where it seems to all make sense uh, and they maybe only just slightly veer off for the you know, for a bit of a gag or a comedic double up, but it still feels like you're going a, a, a set way. It's not just like, oh, and now we put them in this place and there's going to be a funny thing for this. Um, I, I'm trying to think of films that do that poorly, that have tried to. I think films like that have done it well, that have this mold are like Girls Trip did it very well, Book Smart did it very well, 
the scenes could be taken and isolated and enjoyable and very funny, but it still feeds a narrative. And there's still like relationship building or tensions coming from those scenarios, not just, oh, and then the next scene happens and everything's fine. And it was as if it never happened, which I think a lot of other comedies do. And I think it did help that Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph were already friends before this on Saturday Night Live, because you can tell, because that relationship is very good. uh, And I think everything's built on it. As alongside, I don't like Melissa McCarthy, but she is very, very funny in this. It also had Chris O'Dowd, <laughs> Chris O'Dowd yeah, attempting his Hollywood breakthrough, and then that was it. <laughs> Back to the IT crowd for Back you. Back to the IT crowd, <laughs> the only thing you will ever be known for, sorry. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy it. Oh, I'm glad, because I do echo the same sentiments. I really do enjoy this film. Though, it took me a long time to actually sit down and watch it. Mm, I'm the same. When, I remember when it came out, the prevailing notion was that, it's even on the poster, it says, chick flicks don't have to suck. Yeah. Which kind of got my back up because this was released in a post Mean Girls world. Yeah, that's what. I, yeah, I was thinking like that. I was like, "Oh, did this break it through?" I was like, "No, Mean Girls was well before this." <laughs> yeah, so we'd already had this amazing quote unquote chick flick. So Bridesmaids was being pitched to me as like this genre redefining movie, which had already been redesigned. Mm. And eventually, I watched it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I'm 31 years old. And I love a good vomit and shit and gag. It's got. <laughs> it's always going to land for me, and it definitely delivers on that front. So it scores well for me. I think what's interesting about it as well is like you mentioned Mean Girls there and I was thinking like um, I don't know if you guys have seen Easy A but that's also kind of like yeah, a yes. good example yeah, yeah. of like that kind of film that that is that works well but both of those are kind of like aimed at a teenage audience and you have films like Clueless and stuff as well like from the 90s which kind of fill that void but they're all they're all aimed at teenagers the yeah. thing interesting about this is like it's kind of aimed at an older generation isn't it it's kind of aimed at yeah. people maybe point. in their like mid-20s to like 30s and it kind of i think that's kind of why the story works so well uh, like maybe when when we saw it because i guess we were kind of in that post school world where all of a sudden you're like thrust into having to be an adult and yeah. Yeah. your friends have like got other friends now who you know have come out of nowhere and have like like affecting their lives and that's kind of exactly what happens in stories isn't it that it's like it just feels very like the experience that everybody has in that kind of period of their life is that really kind of works well just from a basic narrative point of view and then yeah the comedy feeds it yeah massively i think it was compared a lot to the hangover at the time because i guess the premise and the hangover came out two years before like it did very very well and i think there's that comparison even though this film is far superior although if you ask 16 year old ben i would have preferred the hangover (laughs) and i think that's just the difference of i guess like there's a lot more empathy that i can have with bridesmaids as i've gotten older and i think it's got definitely got more longevity than that 100 and it helps that it doesn't have two even worse sequels yeah yeah Yeah, well i think that's great there's a of this time i'm surprised there was never a sequel which is great there was plans interesting all of them became such big stars after this it was really hard to get everyone back together for a film though i did pitch an idea for a legacy sequel which was aquafina uh, is having like a rival bachelorette party at the same time <laughs> feels very bad neighbors too it's money aquafina is doing very well she doesn't need our help that is true the origins of this movie date back to 2006 with annie malumo and Kristen wig who were part of the same comedy troupe being asked by judd apatow if they had any ideas for a movie at the time, Judd Apatow said that the 40-year-old virgin came about because he just asked some improv people if they had a good idea for a film and just let them write it, so he wanted to try it again. Eventually, they came back with a pitch for like a female ensemble cast-driven movie about a bachelor party gone wrong called Maid of Honor, 
which is actually a pretty good name. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this was 2006, so they continued to work on it whilst they were at Saturday Night Live and started making those connections, which really do show in the film. Yep. Eventually, Paul Feig read the script and signed on to direct, uh, to which there is a very good quote from Paul Feig about mm-hmm. agreeing to become the director of this movie, uh, which is, there was an edict from Hollywood where they were all going, okay, Paul, this is a movie starring a bunch of women. If it works, we'll greenlight more. And if it doesn't, we won't. So I was really sweating because if this movie didn't work, then I'm basically the man who killed women for an eternity. So thank God it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because like when you were talking, dearly about the chick flick stuff, I think like the whole thing I remember from when this film came out was like just everyone be like, oh, well, women actually can be funny in films. And it's like, yeah. I think that kind of narrative does a disservice to how good this film is because it's kind of like, I would just put this up there as like one of the best comedy films that there is right? rather than like framing it in that way. And mm-hmm. like like Paul Feig just said there, that's how the industry was viewing it. It's like, well, can you even make a funny film with women? And it's like, well, yes, obviously you can. I don't, I don't know why it was ever like a converse. Like, I don't know where that conversation came yeah. from, really. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It is. I think, I th- yeah, I think it's like a, it's a gatekeeping thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Example, say like Mean Girls, because that was... Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, wasn't it? Yeah, who wrote it? Yeah. Um, and again, they're Saturday Night Live, but I think yeah. there's almost this thing of like, oh, they they've they've snuck through this exception to a rule um, that the rule was probably made by men. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And, I mean, that's clear. That's where it comes from, I guess. And that's the thing. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's this like of like, oh, we need to make sure we put through this narrative of this is a fantastic female orientated comedy film rather than like you say i'm just saying this is absolutely a brilliant comedy film but i think it's also because it's trying to break a mold you constantly push through like it's a female film it's a female-led film it's female written film and because of that push because it should be uh, applauded it kind of breaks it away from actually it's just an absolutely brilliant film (laughs) yeah absolutely and as per the quote from paul feig the movie did work and it was a critical and financial success Right now, it has a 90% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 300 reviews. It's pretty and incredible. And at the box office, it made $300 million on a $30 million budget. Wow. The weird thing about this is how well it did to appear in the awards season. It's a proper comedy movie, not like a comedy drama or a highbrow satire like The Big Short was. But it was nominated for multiple Academy Awards. I did not yeah, know. Yeah, I think Melissa McCarthy was nominated, wasn't she? Was she? Yes, so Melissa McCarthy was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She also was nominated for like a Golden Globe and a BAFTA as well. And he was also nominated for Best Screenplay. It didn't win either of them, but the fact, like, what is essentially like an out-and-out comedy movie, I can't get over like an actual just comedy movie being nominated for an Academy Award that doesn't involve <laughs> someone that died recently. And as, Yeah, and as well, like, someone from a comedy film was nominated for an acting role as well, not just kind of, like, screenplay. Because, like, comedy films do sometimes get nominated for screenplays, don't they? Because of, like, you know, the difficulty of writing comedy is, is clearly, like, appreciated by the Academy, I suppose. Well, not probably appreciated enough, but to an extent. But to see an acting performance that is purely comedy is kind of odd. Wasn't Robert Downey Jr. nominated for Tropic Thunder, like, just before this? <laughs> Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty. I've, Wait, what? I've, really? There's some. I swear, there's something. I, I've seen it going around on the internet. Just, let me just look this up before, uh, before I, you know, explain this on the internet because it is especially for that performance. <laughs> Best supporting actor, 2009. Um, let me just check this. Uh, 2008. He was nominated for his performance of Kirk Lazarus for Tropic Thunder. Oh my god! The dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. 
But yeah, it's rare. I think he's, he's still, he's, and like, you know, films like Juno or something like that, that's kind of like quirky comedy or Little Miss Sunshine, they get nominated, but not just, this is a full on, like, how many laughs can you put in, you know, every few minutes, that kind of comedy. Um, it's rare. I think Melissa McCarthy peaked at the first film she, she kind of was successful for. Did she get an Oscar actually in the end for that film? What spy? No, I don't think so. No, that one where that oh no, the one with um the the bloke that she was opposite got an Oscar. You know, the typing one where she like Russell E. Grant. Russell yeah, E. Grant, was... yeah. Richard E. Grant, sorry. Yeah, I've seen that film. It is a good film actually. I'm trying to remember what it's called though. It's where she plays like a someone who forges um letters, yes. literary letters. It is a really good film actually. Oh, not the one with Jason Bateman where she forges her identity. Identity yeah. theft. The identity thief. <laughs> I mean the film I is, is it's called Spy. The one with Jason yeah, Statham it is. is really good as well. Is that another Paul Feig? Feig? It Feig. It is possible. Kevin Feige? <laughs> it's not Kevin Feige. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, I mean, that actually was good. But I think she was in, like, after immediately after this, she was in so many films, wasn't she? But I mean, I remember her from being in Gilmore Girls, so... <laughs> well, uh, not very few people do, Alex, so you can keep that one to yourself. So moving on to the songs... There is quite a bit of music in the movie, but they all pale in significance to the song we're going to concentrate on today, and that is Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Uh, So the song appears multiple times throughout the movie before eventually, and probably most memorably, being performed by Wilson Phillips themselves during the wedding ceremony to close the movie, with all the characters singing along, and one of my favourite lines, May Rudolph's father saying, I ain't paying for this shit. (laughs) As always, we'll start with getting our opinions on the song, I'd also like to know if you knew about the song before the movie came out. Go. So when I watched this film for the first time and the, and the song came on the first time in it, you know, like when you have like a smell memory and like something like triggers in your brain and it's like you've, you smell something and it's like all of a sudden something floods back to you that you completely forgot about. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had a, yep. fe- that a ratatouille of- moment. Yeah, well, I kind of had that with this in that I heard it and I knew all of the words, but I I don't know where I know the song from. It's on your jukebox, probably. Well, I I don't. Yeah, it's like it's like that. Is maybe my mum? My mum used to uh, record her own self singing songs on tape and play them in the car. I was like, was it one of those? <laughs> did she actually? She did do that. Yeah. How did I not know this about you? I've known you for like almost thirty years. She was karaoke, um, so I was like, "Was it one of those?" I know the full. So- I knew the full song. Didn't know who it was by. Didn't have any other knowledge of why I knew it, but I just knew it. So that was weird. I mean, I mean, I I, I really like the song. I did a lot of research into the song when I first heard it because I was like trying to figure out where I knew it from. So I kind of know a bit about the band, but I don't want to take your notes, Steve. It's very I mean, tight. I don't have much about the band, in fairness. Well, I think the only, the only thing I was going to say is, that, I mean, this might really notice, is that they are the daughters of the Beach Boys, aren't they? Oh, that, are they? I did not they know are, that. They are, yeah. They are. That's how they, that's, that's why, why they are. Uh, oh, they're Bri- as in Brian Wilson. As in Brian Wilson, yeah. So that's ah, why they're called Wilson Phillips. The Wilson sisters. The three of them are the daughters of, <laughs> of the Beach Boys, I believe. That's true. So where's the, Phil- is the, where's the Phillips? I think that, yeah. I one, of them's, one of the surnames is Phillips. It's two Wilsons. Oh, so that's their name. It's two Wilsons and Phillips. It's Wilsons Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I knew that. But it's only from only from doing a lot of research at the time, trying to figure out why I knew the song. But I mean, it, what a song. What a song. I mean, and what a scene as well, by the way, yeah. uh, the wedding scene. And and like you said, D, about Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph's like, relationship really comes through in like when they're sing- mouthing the song to each other during this kind of scene. Put a smile on your face, that. Yeah. They look like best friends. There's a sceptic in me that they knew they could get Wilson Phillips <laughs> because of the lack of success, <laughs> which is why this is the song in the film. Yeah. You know, like they've worked backwards. Like, we need someone because we want that big 
no, you know, uh, whatever the the other friend has obviously won upsmanship again, tried to get the, uh, to yeah. get them in. They've obviously worked backwards, <laughs> so they've had to rule out a lot of other great power ballads. Because, like, yeah, you know, we can't get Chesney Hawk, we can't get <laughs> Bonnie Tyler. So busy. so busy. Yeah, we've had to go for Wilson Phillips, but it does work. The song is great, very much like Alex. I haven't got a clue how I know the song, but I knew the song. Maybe not every word. But as soon as the chorus kicks in, the harmonies are fantastic. It just feels well-earned. It feels like a great crescendo moment. The setup of it is fantastic, but it just feels like a nice little bow on the, at the end. Absolutely. We talked about a lot of songs that either just get thrown into the credits or are like background songs. But this one's like front and centre, like into the narrative, you know, really celebratory. Yeah. And I guess probably never going to do the episode. Uh, have you seen This Is The End? Yes. I feel like the ending of that film borrows heavily from this by just going, but a band have referenced all movie. Let's just get them to perform at the end yep. with the uh, Backstreet Boys. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a good, great, great it's, scene. It is a great scene. Isn't it, isn't it just followed by the, by the um, Channing Turns uh, as the little bitch? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, they also worked backwards from that in like, they just said, uh, who could we get to be a bitch? And they're like, yeah, Channing Turns will do it. <laughs> half an hour, half an hour's roll of just, yeah, I'm just going to be tied to a, tied to a chain. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys enjoy this song, because I can also say that I love this song. I was personally aware of this song before I'd seen Bridesmaids, and I knew it. So maybe this might help you both remember where you remember it from, because it's the song that Harold and Kumar sing to each other in the car. Wow. Like, where they're trying to pretend that they're not interested, and by the end of the journey, they're singing it to each other. Great trope. Like, pretending to do the drums. Yeah. So, and the reason why I remember that scene is because I remember watching an episode of Top of the Pops 2 where Wilson Phillips was performing and I went, oh, that's the song from Harold and Kumar. <laughs> that that could actually answer the question, D, because I watched that film a lot. <laughs> if you just Google, hold on, Harold and Kumar, it's, like, so many people have loaded that clip. It's a very popular moment in a otherwise amazing film. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go somewhere else without that? Yeah, I, I, I went for the bit and switch there. Yeah, I like it. It's a great legacy for Wilson Phillips. Like this is like a double that song from that movie. Yeah, they've got Bridesmaids fans and Harold and Kumar fans, and I guess Top of the Pops two fans as well. Yeah, of which there are many. There is a lot. It's, it trends on Twitter every time it's on TV. It does. It does. And what I also remember about this song outside of the film is I remember it coming on at a Christmas party once, and I was singing along as you do. And I remember someone coming up to me I worked with and saying, "I wouldn't have thought you'd watch Bridesmaids." To which I was confused because at this point I hadn't seen Bridesmaids and I didn't know the song was in Bridesmaids. <laughs> Yeah, I was confused by that and also sort of just taken aback with like the absolute character assassination this person had just <laughs> laid upon me. Apparently, when I was, I don't know, 22, 23, I just exuded toxic masculinity with my ripped gym bod and my love of offending women. <laughs> Did you hear that audience? They laughed. They thought it was funny because they knew it was a joke. No, no. I laughed at how true it was. <laughs> So the song was originally released in February of 1990, which is a great year to be born, and it's vaguely based on China Phillips' experiences with Alcoholics Anonymous, essentially translating the social care program's One Day at a Time mantra into song lyrics, but trying to keep them as vague as possible so they could be applied to different situations that require time to heal. So it's often talked about that it's about, about an abusive relationship or losing a loved one, but it's actually just about trying to give up alcohol for a while if you're addicted. Nice. At the time, though, critics weren't too hot on the song, universally being referred to as a cheesy pop song, which I think is why we all like it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but that didn't stop it topping the charts in America and Canada, as well as a surprise top 10 in the UK, which according to the Wikipedia page that I'm paraphrasing at the moment, 
was down to their performance on Top of the Pops the week earlier. <laughs> All came back around. All time together. It's crazy to me that Top of the Pops was so popular in the early 90s that just appearing on the show gets you into the top 10 of the charts the following week. Power of Savile. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't usually feature in the uh, Top of the Pops too. <laughs> well, they've no. had to cut out like, a full like, like 18 years of it. <laughs> Do you remember when the tweenies did like a, a top of the pops like themed thing and whoever the, the parent guardian person is in tweenies was dressed up as Savile oh and they forgot to take it out of rotation on CBBS? <laughs> <laughs> Not that the kids would have known, so it wouldn't have really mattered. Oh. It was just a bit, a bit jarring. So Alex wants to talk about the music video, I believe. I do, obviously. And I assume you mean the actual music video, not the uh, the bridesmaids version. Uh, yes, the, the 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 genuine video from 1990. Go ahead, tell us your thoughts. What's the story behind the setting of this video? <laughs> One minute, they're in like ice-capped mountains. The next, they're sort of in like a national park. Then they're at the beach. Then they're kind of walking down the sunset strip of some kind. Yeah. I- I'm confused by it. I like it. I like that it confused me. I like that it made me think. But yeah, I was confused. <laughs> It looks like only one of them got the memo that they need to be in a girl group. Because one of them... Which one? <laughs> the one with the long flowing hair for the wind machines. Oh, yeah. The other yeah. two don't... 80s is wind machines. Or if you can't afford wind machines, do what they've done. And you'd be either A, on a beach or B, on a mountain <laughs> where there's going to be wind. The other, t- <laughs> the other two have got the sensible work, Bob. They've got a nine yeah, to five cut. They've got a nine to five cut. One of them appears to be wearing like a snooker jacket. <laughs> they all seem very in fashion for nowadays. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's true. Those those haircuts are back in. Yeah, yeah, I've, got, I've got one of them. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you, <laughs> listening to decide which one. Um, did you enjoy the bit at the end of the video where they start walking down the street and you can see people like turning around Watching. and trying to see where the camera is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always good when they've not been told. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Who who are these guys?" <laughs> that's what I love about it most. Like they're walking down. I don't, I don't know where it is. I'm assuming somewhere in California, like on the beach, and like yeah, you can tell everybody's looking like going, "Who are these? Who are these beach boys?" Yeah, well, I thought maybe that was the reference there, but I didn't didn't get the connection. <laughs> they just cannot go to the beach without ever referencing their parents. Yeah, but then why the mountains? Why the, the national park? Well, Perhaps they're referencing a certain movie about beaches. <gasps> Save that for well, Hint, hint. It's just a great song. <laughs> it, is, it is a great song. It's, it's already a double, that song from that movie. This is my uh, call to the people out there in Hollywoodland. <laughs> it's time to get this in another film. Get it like, in there. The noughties got one. The tenties got one. The twenties needs this song in a movie to take over like a full decade, like um, West Virginia or whatever. It's Country Roads by John Denver. It was just in every film for like three years. <laughs> yeah, can we get like a Con Air two and put this song in it? Oh yeah. God, I could see that working. Con Air two, yeah. yeah, where they've got to go back to prison. Cons there, uh, or would it be Con Airs? <laughs> Con Air, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's Con Air, but it's like oh. H-E-I-R. Oh, oh. it's, it's con- nice. I like that. I like that. I was thinking of more like a modern climate change spin and it's Air Con. Air con. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that too. We, we we could save so much money with these for these people. Come to us, Wilson Phillips. We'll make you music videos. We'll write you song. We'll get you on top of the pubs. Top five. So... We often do top fives based on films, but I thought this time, you know what, we'll base it on a song, because I was Ooh. just having a browse earlier and realised that this song, Hold On, was 18th in the 100 Greatest Girl Group Songs of All Time. So I'm curious, in a very, very hard choice, 
because this is critics' Christ. choice, and we know what bloody critics are like. But what are the top five girl group songs of all time? Come when on. was the list made? Uh, 2017, I think. Oh, okay. And I'll give you a clue. The latest option was 96. But Spice Girls. What's the what's the choice? Wannabe. Wannabe. Yep, that's number five. Number five. You got one more than I thought you would. Because I was gonna say I was gonna say All Saints, Pure Shores. But obviously, uh, it's, it's in the it's in the top hundred. It's in the top hundred. I mean, I, I was gonna say Independent Woman. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. So, or Survivor. No, it's, it's, see, there's a, there is a there is the Destiny's Child song in the top ten. It's number seven. There is. But it's not. Yes, but it's not. Is one it of those. Bills? No. Pay my automobile. <laughs> Keep going. Come on. Um, uh, so okay, something like "Walk Like an Egyptian." No, the, the song by Des- the song by Destiny Child was "Say My Name." Oh, I was I was talking thinking of the songs in the top five. No, yeah, I know you were, but I, that's why that's why I quickly let you know what that say was. Say my name, before. say my name. I mean, yeah. it's also I, I love that we have renditions from Alex for everyone. Uh, Eternal Flame. I'm just thinking of songs nope. by the Bangles. Nope. <laughs> uh, what about like Venus by Banana Rama? No. Nope. Oh, so have we, got, have we got any? Oh, have we got any British bands in here, or are they all? Uh, you're asking me. I think these are all American. I think so. We've got the dates of them: sixty-four, sixty-one, okay. ninety-four, and sixty-three. It's like the Supremes. The Supremes, yes, yes. Um, build me a buttercup. <laughs> is that the Temptations? I don't know. <laughs> Guessing songs. Where did our love go? By the Supremes. Yeah. Yeah. Baby, baby, baby. Um, the Shirelles. The Shirelles. Well, oh, nice, Alex. Number three. Uh, I can't remember. Will you love me tomorrow? Okay, um, Alex, you're, you're doing very well. Two. So, two what left. are the other dates? 1994. Three piece girl group. Uh, it's 94. It's it's not uh the the dumb non dumb blondes or what they're called no. non blondes no four non blondes four non blondes yeah because <laughs> no, I was like is, is it four non blondes you said it was uh, three they piece. played Glastonbury this year I think two of them because one of them was, I think has passed oh god and and they have an absolutely iconic song which is is not here for some reason I think it's eleventh in this list and it's from ninety um, four yes is it Hall no the name of the band is three letters TLC TLC yes well Scrubs. it's not Waterfalls. it's not Scrubs Scrubs is eleventh it's creep is it Warfall? Oh creep! Uh, and the number one, Alex. So one more. What year? What year was it? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. The Ronettes. I was going to say the Ronettes, like "Be My Baby." Yes, it is. Oh, well done, guys. Well oh, done, guys. Honestly, you know what? Uh, fantastic. Well done. Perfect. Honorable mentions include "On Vogue," <laughs> which is sixth. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. <laughs> uh, and the Shangri-Las, because that's an awesome song. It's very 60s-centric, well that, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's crit- yeah. it is critics, isn't it? They're all stuck up their own tush. Although, 14th is... 14th is Fifth Harmony. <laughs> what, what is the way we song? Is it Work From Home? Work, it is Work, work From Home, work, which my, yeah. my wife absolutely loves that work, song. Work, I mean, how, I many, how many double entendres can you fit in one song? I don't know if it's that song holds the record or Porsche by Nelly. <laughs> 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 I mean, where, where were girls allowed in this list? Um, oh, yeah, uh, Sound of the Underground. I mean, it, this might it, this might be an American list. They should have been like all of all of them. <laughs> I will. I'm quickly scrolling up. Continue, and I will let you know if any 2000s British girls groups come up. I mean, weren't they the, the best ever selling girl group in the UK? Girls allowed. I think girls allowed. Heard. Thirty-two. Pro- probably were at girls the time. Girls allowed. Thirty-two. What song? Sound of the Underground. No. Promise. The promise. No. Promise. No. I made. Promise. Um, I biology. Made. Biology. Oh, biology. It's a good song. <laughs> it's one of the classics. <laughs> little mix in there. Yep. Little Where were sugar babes? I'll keep going. Continue and I'll let you know. Right. Okay. Whilst Ben continues to look, we'll move on to movie or song. So it's time to decide what is superior, 
the song Hold On from Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle and Bridesmaids or the movie Bridesmaids. Alex? I'd go on a limb and say this is the hardest one we've had to do. I agree, actually. Because I, I just don't know which to choose. Um, I feel like if you lost this song from this movie, you lose a big part of this, like, yep. the heart of the right. movie. You do, yeah. You lose the soul. But equally, if you lose the movie, is this song as memorable enough as that song that Harold and Kumar sing? <laughs> I think I feel my problem here is that I always, I, I, I have a tendency to choose film. Don't, and you will be again? And I think I will be again. Because <laughs> I, when, I when I was thinking about it earlier, I was like, I want to choose the song because I don't usually, but then the film is just too good. <laughs> <that I couldn't. laughs> and even though, like you say, I think you do lose a big part of what makes film good if you take away the song. I think ultimately the film would still work with a different song, probably. If you put Chesney yeah. Hawks, I am the one and only in this. Well, maybe it wouldn't because it'd be, it's very singular and it's all about plural, the film. But If, if it was Destiny's Child that walked out. Yeah. I mean, that would be too. I think they would be too big, wouldn't they? That would be that would overshadow the film if Destiny yeah, Child walked out. Good point. It needs to be obscure okay. enough and weird enough. What if, like, Eternal reformed? Yes, then that would work. <laughs> what if they had um, Lorene? <laughs> Famously, not a girl group. Any, any, <laughs> any opportunity to talk about Lorene? <laughs> Again, you'd have the same problem as, as Destiny's Child overshadow. Just overshadow it, yeah. yeah. I would take Lorene over the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Euphoria is a greater song than Star Wars is a is a franchise. Yeah, that's 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 what you should be asking Hollywood to do. Put that in a film. Get that in a just film. make a film called you. Like, there's a TV show called Euphoria. There is a TV show called Euphoria. It must be in there. Sure. Yeah, is the song ever been in that? I've not watched it. I've seen some of it, and I've never heard the song in it. What yep. are we even doing here then? Yeah, I could be listening to Euphoria <laughs> fifty times over. Why are we trying? To, why are we trying to make a hit podcast where they won't even use Euphoria? Guys, go listen to Euphoria. Listen. I'm picking movie. Ben? Uh, yes, uh, I do like the song, but, you know, I haven't, until I listened to it again earlier, uh, I have not listened to it for, for about nine years, so it'd be weird to think of. I've seen Bridesmaids since then, and enjoyed it since then. Okay, so that brings us to, to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know on Twitter which one you think is better, the movie or the song. Um, ben, what is our Twitter handle? At TSFTMPod. Thank you. So you can help the podcast in many ways, and one of those ways is by sharing this on Reddit. But Alex, what random subreddit should they share it on this week? Hmm. Um... <laughs> I love the thought. Are you flicking your tongue in your mouth? <laughs> it's a disgusting sound. I was flicking my tongue. Losing idea. subscribers every time you do that. It's ASMR. It is very ASMR, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's probably got a bit of Harold and Kumar, hasn't it? Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, it had to be. Had Specifically, to be. Escape to White Castle. <laughs> yes, yes. Escape, Escape to White Castle. Escape to White Castle, <laughs> <laughs> Escape to White Castle <laughs> <laughs> No, I want the Harold and Kumar 3 Christmas 3D or whatever it's called, oh, that one. Yeah, <laughs> That's very Harold and Kumar Christmas. That's subreddit. Okay. Um, so you can also help the podcast by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast, buying our merch, or signing up to our Patreon. We actually do have a new Patreon subscriber, so guys, say hi to Emma. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> All the links to that is in the show notes, along with our merch store. So all stuff now is just some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. What kind of name is Stove, anyway? It's more of an appliance. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. Sugar Babes are number 43. Ooh, which song? Um, freak Like Me. Because I will be a freak until it is, until it don't. There we go. Uh, so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yeah.
like how much I'm seeing Prince Andrew on the uh, front pages of BBC News. Did you enjoy the guy shouting at him during the procession today? <laughs> no, I didn't yes. think good. Good. I, l- I like that, like, they captioned, like, part of it, but then you can kind of see him mouthing the word nonce. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we'll include that in the edit, don't worry. That's right. Clear. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can That's the truth. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That, that can be the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't spout lies. We don't that spout lies. That could be the lies. ending. Nonce. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 